if you are starting with a 12 and 15 year old, you have to recognize that they have some inherent belief about money already. And that while you might think they're 12 and 15 and they're young and they've never had a job and we're starting with a clean slate, there's something already there. Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I am your host, Stacey Francis. And today we're going to be speaking with Chelsea Brennan. She's the founder of the website Smart Money Mamas. And if you haven't been there, I encourage you to take a visit. She works directly with mamas, helping them connect all aspects of their money, allowing them to clear emotional blocks, identify what they most want, create healthy relationships, and also model a positive relationship for their children so that their kids have a healthy, positive, wonderful relationship with money as well. Chelsea's mission is to change the way that we talk about money so that we as women look at money more so as self-care, similar to going to the gym and helping us go after what we want and create our own success. Chelsea talks to us today that financial concepts shouldn't be overwhelming and this should be something that is easy to do. So without further ado, let's welcome our wonderful guest, Chelsea Brennan. Chelsea, it's great to have you here. And I'm excited to talk about money values. And I know that money values, it's not like a super sexy topic, but I guarantee all of you listeners today that it is. And you will realize why it's such a super sexy topic, not only for you, but also for your kids. But before we do that, Chelsea, I want to welcome you. And I'd love for you to talk about your company that you created called Smart Money Mamas. You're doing phenomenal work. Thank you so much, Stacey. I'm so glad to be here. And so everyone at Smart Money Mamas, we help moms build wealth in alignment with their values in a way that feels good to them. I think wealth can sometimes be a really uncomfortable topic for women. But what we really want to do is help women feel confident with money in a way that we pass down generational wealth and we pass down good relationships with money for our kids, which is what I think is really important. Tell me about this. Like, I know the answer to this, but why do we need this as women? Why do we need this as women? And why do we not feel as comfortable around money in some cases as our, our male counterparts? Oh my goodness, so many reasons. I mean, the conditioning starts from such an early age with women's relationships with money. I think we go back to just the fact that we treat the things that women want, generally want, as frivolous, right? Makeup, clothing, things that bring us joy are treated as like a bad expense. And so from a very early age, we're taught that we're bad with money, we're frivolous with money. And so we have that negative relationship. Where we are taught about money, we're taught about home management money. We're talking about couponing and budgeting and making ends meet, but not talking about investing in wealth building and really using money as a tool to create the life that you want. And so well, we want to change this narrative. And what I think is really cool is that when women can build a positive relationship with money, when we can get back to our emotional connections with money, really healing our money relationship, 
kids look to their moms to learn about money, boys and girls, but definitely girls say that they want to learn about money from their moms. And so when we can feel confident, we can have these stories. We're not just changing it for ourselves. We're changing generational narratives. And we're really raising kids that can go out into adulthood without the same fears that we had when we first graduated college or when we first had to open our 401k, right? That's a really beautiful thing to watch. You know, and it's one of those things that's, you know, if we think back, like, how would your life be different today if you started off out of the running gate, out of high school, college, feeling confident about your money, having the knowledge that you needed to make good decisions? I mean, I think all of us can agree that our our life probably would be better. But for so many women, while we have learned along the way and we've listened to a podcast, most of us still don't feel money confident. And so then number one, how do we grow that muscle? But that holds us back from teaching our kids because like, if we're not confident about explaining credit cards, interest rates, credit score, emergency fund, investing, 401ks, if we're not comfortable with that, how the heck do we, we teach our children? So first off, yes, not being able to feel confident, understanding the terms and the things to explain to our kids. That's hard. But the reality is, it's a little bit of a scary reality, is that they're not learning as much about money from those indirect conversations we're having. They're watching our reactions to money. What is our body language like when we sit down to pay the bills? What do we talk about when we're in the store and there's something that maybe is a little expensive or not in our budget? Do we say we can't afford it? Or do we say we're prioritizing other things? Or do we talk about values? What is our relationship to money? And because kids are picking up on that from a really early age, some base core money beliefs research shows are set around age seven. Not that we can't change them even into adulthood, wow. right? Oh no, I have a 12 and 15 year old. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're lucky, Chelsea. You've got the three and five year old. I've got the three and five year old. But I think it's important to pay attention to these things. And especially yeah. because if you are starting with a 12 and 15 year old, You have to recognize that they have some inherent belief about money already. And that while you might think they're 12 and 15 and they're young and they've never had a job and we're starting with a clean slate, there's something already there. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. One of which is, and this we can talk about like building that confidence where to start. Money is an emotional thing. And so, you know, we talk about the money hierarchy of needs, which takes Maslow's pyramid. Many of us are familiar with Maslow's and talks about how each step of that is really a different level of financial security and financial achievement. But when we go to the bottom of Maslow's, which is physiological needs, do we have food to eat and clothes to keep us warm and and a roof over our heads? Our ability to have that is tied to money. And so a lot of us have true fight or flight responses to money. We have true trauma, whether that's big or small trauma related to our relationship to money. And as women, in general, we are more connected to that emotional energy. And so it affects us in a deeper way. And when we're not talked to about it and we're not made to feel confident about it, it's hard. And so that first step to feeling confident is really peeling back. What are your first money memories? What are your first experiences? Is it a time in the grocery store where your mom told you you couldn't afford something? Or was it watching your dad pay bills and what his attitude was? Was it watching your parents fight about money at the dinner table? What was that memory? And what did you extrapolate in that moment? So in that moment, you make some decision about money as a kid because we're trying to create order out of chaos. It's how our brains work. And so what did you assume? Because that story has been running in your mind somewhere for potentially decades, right? And you've made assumptions that are possibly wrong. Some people start to unearth these thoughts and they're like, this is a complete contradiction to everything else I believe in my life. Like, But it's sitting there. And so it's figuring out what those money beliefs are, what those money memories are. And then starting to build money beliefs that shift that. And so 
the reason it's important to go backwards just real quickly is that there's a lot of people that talk about the importance of money mantras and abundance mindset and all these things, which are beautiful. But if you just Google good money mantras and like pick one that sounds good to you, you might not be answering what is truly rooted in you. And so you're not shifting your belief because there's still something in there blocking. And so you've got to figure out what your unique money block is and then write a mantra, write a belief that starts to shift it forward for you. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, you know, for me, I, I dated everyone who was wrong for me. And it was the the blue haired guy, the mohawk guy, the shaved head guy, the tattoo guy, the earring guy. And FYI, I mean, it's not that that there was anything wrong with that. It's just the one thing that I went out picking, not realizing is I picked guys who were not really interested in me Mm. and didn't treat me well. I have to say, Chelsea, I couldn't figure out why my relationships didn't work. And while they always ended up with me heartbroken and them totally fine moving on. And it took me some time. It took me therapy to figure out, oh my God, it's who I am choosing. And then I found my husband and he was the first guy that ever dated like that. And FYI, 22 laters, I'm ecstatic. I love him. It's great. But it took me a while to figure that out, to stop that behavior. Mm. And so it's the same thing with money too. Like we can tell ourselves, we're worthy of a salary that's six figures. We can tell ourselves we're worthy of a home that is beautiful and safe. We're worthy of a 401k that's going to support us for the rest Mm -hmm. of our life. We can tell ourselves that, but sometimes we don't believe it. Yeah. Sometimes we don't believe it. And that's not like a quick fix. It's something that you have to really deep into, like where the hell did this come from? It's really funny, Stacey. So, and we have a membership community, the Motivated Mama Society, and our first has five courses in it as like the foundation. And the first one is mindset. And every single time people come back to us and they're like, I feel so much better, but this felt like therapy. Like almost every person was like, I had at least one time where I was in tears. And it's hard to like tell people that, but when you do that work, there's a lot to unearth. And sometimes it's identifying that you have to do it. And then just paying attention for a while and letting it come to the surface because it's not, might not be immediately apparent. It's just knowing what to watch for. Yeah. And so this is a question. I don't know if you can answer it, but like going back and like realizing where those money memories came from and that imprint of your belief and value about money. When is it something where you realize, okay, I can work through this, you know, maybe part of your group or I need a money therapist or, or someone that has more of an expertise that can help me through that. Do you have some ideas of when do you need to go to a money therapist to help you really make headway and move beyond versus being able to kind of do your own internal journey and work? I think money therapists are an amazing resource no matter where you're starting. I think we can all benefit from that type of discussion and someone to help us unearth things. But I think in general, it's good to start to go through the exercises, think about your money memories, think about those, give yourself a couple months to really to feel it out. If you're feeling you're like you're coming up against a lot of trauma. And what I mean by that is you're completely blocked. You can't even think of what your money memories are, right? Anytime you try to write down your money beliefs, anytime you try to think about money, you have real physical anxiety, right? You feel nauseous, you feel shaky. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we really want to get somebody involved who can help you work through that and do it in a like small step-by-step manner. We want to make sure that if you're having that kind of physical reaction, there's probably something deeper there that would be helpful yeah. to have a financial therapist yeah. if possible. And I think what's really important for you know everyone listening here today, financially ever after, there are so many wonderful therapists and types of therapists. But what I have seen is that 
if you are dealing with deep-seated money issues, you really want to go to someone known as a money therapist because there's specific training. And I've met many therapists who are wonderful, but they too have blocks and challenges about money. And so making sure you have someone that has that training and also there's money coaches and Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a therapeutic background, but it could be what you're looking for. And, you know, also your group, Smart Money Mamas. I mean, that's a great place to really unearth that. The one place I would I would just touch on is money coaches. And so money coaches aren't super heavily regulated in any in any big way. And when we're talking about money emotions, money mindset, you want someone who has training in that space, whether it's money specific or at least coaching specific. So are they certified by the International Coaching Federation? Do they have that relationship? Because you want two things. You want someone who's not going to re-traumatize you around money. That's a real issue. And you want to make sure that they know when you really need a professional therapist. So a coach is trained to know the difference between what needs coaching and what needs professional therapy. And so once that comes back to not further damaging your money mindset. So when you're hiring a coach, coaches can be amazing. Just make sure that they have some kind of certification and training in the mindset stuff before you let somebody else kind of plumb through your mind there. Yeah. And one of the certifications for money therapists are certified financial therapists. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a few others, but you obviously want to do your homework there. So we've talked a lot about kind of going back, seeing what our values are, and then starting to to build ourselves and our values. In our last 10 minutes, can we talk about how we impart this to our kids? And, and something that you said, Chelsea, that I really want to pick up on, because I've, I've never heard this before. It's less about the money conversation with the kids. It's more about them seeing you operate in life and how you deal with your money, make decisions, your body language. I think that that is so powerful. And even the way that you're saying, you know, not, we can't afford that. It's we're reprioritizing. And there are Mm -hmm. other things that are more important. Like we are saving for that special trip that we want to go to, to the Bahamas. And I know you're excited about that too. Even the language of saying, I'm not saying no to Legos, I'm saying yes to the Bahamas, right? And so that just giving them things that they can really hold on to. Yeah, and FYI, I'm going to steal that from you, Chelsea. (laughs) I'm going to say, and this will go to the whole family, desperately want a Tesla, which (laughs) for all environmental reasons, we will be saving up. We will be doing that eventually, but we just can't do it right now. And so it's, we can't say yes to the Tesla now but we can say yes to the Tesla in the future. You know, yes. we're saving towards that. And you know, it's so funny. They want a Tesla. They, they can't even freaking drive, right? <laughs> they can't even drive, but they just somehow that is really important to them. And mm-hmm. I mean, very, very proud that they care about the environment. And while we're talking about that environment, giving back charity as well, how do you get your children excited and motivated about charity? I've been trying this to some level of success and some not. So for August, we did a 100-mile walk for the wolves to raise money for this amazing wolf sanctuary outside of New York. Each child had to walk 100 miles. I had to do that too, but we had a whole month to do it. You think that I was ripping off their leg and beating them with it. And I explained, you know, this is for charity. We love these wolves. We visit these wolves. It didn't work. It didn't work. They now hate the wolves and they don't want to go to the sanctuary. So obviously I screwed it up. So Chelsea, how do we, how do we get our kids to think about these big issues, get involved without jamming it down their throat and then hitting wolves the rest of their life? I don't think they'll hate wolves the rest of their life. I know, I know. I think it's a short term. But in general, 
it's really making sure that you're choosing charity initiatives, both in the organization you're supporting and the way that you're supporting them that speak to your kids and what they want, what they want and want to do. Right. And so we could start with really young kids and take my boys are three and five. And so for them, they love sea creatures, like just love sea creatures, love animals. They will sit and watch like Blue Planet all day. Right. And so for them, it's explaining that there are people out there who help rescue these animals. And do we want to support those people? And so they are at an age where they adopt, quote unquote, adopt animals through world wildlife. That's what they save up for. They get a little certificate and a little stuffy and it's like they completely get it. And also at little ages, like we're going to start there. We'll move up to your, your age kids in a second. But another thing I tell parents is at three to seven, don't limit what charity is because we have what we think charity is as adults. But for your kid, if they have a friend who's really struggling or feels sick and they want to spend some money to go bring them soup or bring them a present, that is charity, right? That is teaching them to bless others with money, even though to us, you know, it's not a 501c3, we're not going to get a tax deduction. To them, they don't care. Yeah. And so really starting there. As they get older, it's finding ways that they can really have an impact. And so if you're seeing things come up in conversation, things that they do care about, you're talking about environmentalism with the Tesla, right? What are some green energy initiatives that they could get involved in? Maybe yeah. not walking 100 miles, but what are some things that they really want to do? Yeah, and then mitigation, planting trees, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Get them involved in that and let them kind of explore what that is, both financially and not financially. I was actually... My husband is also really interested in conservation. And we were talking recently about this amoeba thing that like consumes more carbon dioxide than like any other organism. And like people are growing these algaes like in just like shallow pools to try to. And so we were talking about like, could you do that? Could we do that in our backyard? How would that work? And so letting them just kind of research and explore and find ways is really just making sure you're connecting to their interests. I think that sometimes we tell them that, hey, as a family, we donate 10% to charity of our income to charity. This is where the family money is going. So like, you give us 10% of any money you get and we'll put it in that pool. That's not going to be as meaningful to them as them picking something and really yeah, getting engaged. Exactly. Yeah, there's a great book out there by Ron Lieber and he wrote The Opposite of Spoiled. I love uh, that book. I've read it three times and I realized I've really screwed up my children. <laughs> I wish he had raised them. But you know, one of the things he said was that at the beginning of the year, you guys sit down and you have that conversation where everybody puts forward their charity that they're really passionate about and finding ways to be involved. Because I think the reason why the wolves didn't work and FY, they, they love the wolves and, you know, they've been super supportive of raising money and going to visit is it had to do with a hundred mile of exercise. I should have known, <laughs> should have known, but having them be involved. And I, I think what you say is being involved their way. You know, and it's interesting because this week my son said something to me and he said, you know, mom, can you come over? And I'm like, okay. And then he goes into a separate room. He's like, I have to have a serious conversation. I'm like, oh my God, what is it? He's 15. Is this sex? Is this drugs? Is this alcohol? He's like, well, you know, I have a new laptop for school. I said, yeah, we we just got it for you. He goes, well, my other one is still really, really, really good. And one of my friends, he can't get his laptop to work at school, so he can't do his homework. Could I give it to him? And Chelsea, I was just so proud. And for him, that that was his charity. And he gave it to his friend and his friend was so happy. And like, really, are you kidding? Did your parents say, yes, this is really mine? And it was just like, wow. And so being being open to what's charitable, you know, Mm. and that it's not always, I mean, I tend to think 501c3 tax deduction. (laughs) you know, make sure I save the records. 
but it's so much more than that. We're raising our kids, right, to make the world a better place. Yeah. That's exactly it. Raising kids who can see a problem and yeah. find a solution, right? Because yeah. right now he's seeing his friend as a problem, but as he gets older, as he gets more experience, he sees bigger problems and he solves bigger problems. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I know we're coming into the end. You have a fantastic resource that I would love for you to share called the Family Money Values Template. Can you share just a little bit more about it? And for everyone listening here today to Financially Ever After, we're going to put this in the show notes so that you can get it. I actually downloaded it as well. I'm super excited to use it for my family. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important and how to use it? Yeah. So I think family money values are really core for any family unit to agree on what is most important to you when it comes to your money. How do you talk about money? What is the language you do and do not use? What are your goals as a family? What do you want your money to do in the world? What are your priorities, right? And what do you want your money to make you feel? Do we prioritize things that bring education? Do we prioritize things that bring family quality time? How do we prioritize our budget? And this requires having some deep conversations about money. It's not going to happen all at once, but these are good conversations to have in the car, have at the dinner table, start to plumb out. What do you guys agree on when it comes to money? And having it, what we encourage our families to do is have it written in a kind of one-page template, summarize it down. What are your money mantras? What are your money goals? And the reason for that is anytime a money conversation comes up, anytime a money would be an argument comes up, your family money values are a place to come back to common ground. How does this fit into our current goals? How does this fit into our our language? And, And language is important because with your kids, it's important to know what your triggers are. If you're in a blended family, if you have an ex-spouse, then what's really important is to understand how do you guys work together and work with your kids? What are the lessons we're teaching them? Because you're still going to have financial interaction with with your ex for a long time, right? And and so figuring out what are each other's triggers? What are the best ways to talk to people? Is it best to talk to them in the morning or is it best to talk to them in the evening or on the weekends? What are those kind of guide rails so that when you have conversations, they're actually productive? And those are the kind of things we want to outline. And when it comes to kids, there's some huge decisions that cause argument points, right? How are you going to pay for college? One of the ones that we hear most often is when does our kid have to get his, first, his or her first job, right? And so some parents are like, yeah. they turn 15 or 16, they got to get a job, like they got to get work experience. Some parents are like, I want them to focus on school till they're out of college or till they're through their sophomore year of college or whatever it is. And those can cause real headbutt arguments yeah. and cause super mixed messages to the kid, right? And so- like, yeah having as many of those things ahead of time as possible can be really, really helpful. And so in the family money values template, we kind of walk you through what are the conversations to have? What are the questions to ask? And then give you a a one page template to summarize it together. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I was reading through it and I've been, you know, talking, thinking about money for, well, more than two decades. And there were things that were very insightful, things that I hadn't thought about either. So Chelsea, how can our listeners get a hold of you, learn more about Smart Money Mamas. So we're smartmoneymamas.com. Mamas is M-A-M-A-S. I know some people smell mamas differently. <laughs> and we're at Smart Money Mamas on all social platforms. You can come check us out. DM me on Instagram. I spend way too much time on Instagram on Hangout, but we would love to see you and love to see you try out the Family Money Values Workbook. Yeah, I have to say, I'm going to be doing that too. And I'm going to be printing it out and going over it with my husband too, because sometimes we're not exactly on the same page. And that's not good, especially if it happens in front of the kids. So Mm. big hugs. Thank you for being here. And we are so excited to have you as a guest. Again, you are a rock star. I love what you're doing with Smart Money Mamas, talking about, you know, some really important stuff. So thank you for joining us today. 
Thanks so much for having me, Stacey. This was wonderful. Thank you for joining us today on Financially Ever After. I learned a lot from speaking with Chelsea Brennan, and I know that I have so many tools, including the guidebook that Chelsea spoke about. I'm going to be doing that step-by-step with my family, and I hope that you will too. And don't worry, write the show notes. We have a link for you. So as far as your commitment to yourself, and actually to me, I'm asking you to do that. So in the next week, I want you to get that and start to fill out at least a few of those questions and start that thinking process. Because money is important. We all know it's important. And if you have any questions about your finances, let me know. We offer what's called a second opinion here at Francis Financial to let you know if you're on track, if you're a little off, and if so, what are the steps you could be taking to make sure that you're financially secure, not only today, but for the long run. You can reach out to us, my website, www.francisfinancial.com or my email, Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to Financially Ever After for making this investment in yourself. And we'll be seeing you in two weeks.